On today's episode, we are staying friends with our exes. We're also flying into new finance tracking with Copilot, subscription finance tracker. And finally, Comcast is doing something right. All this and more today on Recur Now. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it is Tuesday, January 21st. I'm Abby Sullivan. I'm James Herrick. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. Up first, your recurring revenue news. ProfitWell Pricing Pro John Mangini sent me over a nice reminder from LinkedIn with a theme he says he's seen recurring on the social platform. Yeah, it's about the importance of how a company honors its people, whether they stay there for years on end or if they leave. It's about withdrawing from guilt. You can always come home is the name of one we found that hit what else? close to home. It was posted by Gainsight's Robin Garcia Amaya, and it starts out with this line. One of our teammates got a cease and desist letter from a previous employer. Yeah, apparently the employer had received several negative reviews on Glassdoor, and instead of humbling themselves and trying to learn and improve, the company just wanted the reviews wiped. It didn't matter that that particular teammate hadn't actually written a review, or that Glassdoor reviews are anonymous, or that cease and desist letters just don't work like that. Robin says she's never heard of anything like it, but she does unfortunately recognize the combative, often vindictive relationships many companies have with their former employees. She says she's heard stories about exit interviews that turn into shouting matches, friends becoming strangers in an instant, and leaders telling her how they felt betrayed when a teammate joins another company. But why is it like this in business, she asks. Robin shares a bit about her experience in this realm at Gainsight, a company that considers its former employees as, quote, alumni, and never ceases to include them in present-day affairs. We've been casually referring to ex-gainsiders as alumni in conversation, she says. There isn't any policy around it or anything, but as a culture, we don't typically refer to past teammates as alumni. That word is mostly for college graduates. But I think we should start, Robin says. So that we part as friends, not enemies. We'll link to the full piece in your subscriber newsletter. It is worth a read and a serious consideration. We also have an episode of Protect the Hustle coming out next season with Gainsight CEO Nick Maida. More on that and Nick's rap career later in this episode. And now, James on Copilot. They say all good things come from former Google employees, or alumni, as I should say. Do they say that? Well, someone probably says it. Regardless, it's a good transition into this next story. We have our eyes on Copilot, a new personal finance tracking app from a former Googler that TechCrunch says could garner a following based on its slick design and ease of use. A decade ago, Intuit acquired Mint in a time when both mobility and tech-enabled financial services were in an entirely different state. There hasn't been much progress since, so Copilot Pilot is likely to be in a good spot. The subscription iOS app lets you load your financial data, create custom categories for transactions, and set budgets. It's been invitation only for several months, but launched publicly just this last week. Apparently, the app relies heavily on Plaid, the Visa-acquired API startup we highlighted in a recent episode of the show. TechCrunch's Lucas Matney tried out Copilot and claims the integration's intuitiveness alongside Copilot's already smooth onboarding process gives users an early indication for the app's thoughtful design. Now I'd say it's time for me to give it a whirl. 
And I never thought I'd see the day, but I'm digging what Comcast is doing. The Comcast NBC Universal streaming service Peacock has finally announced details of its drop, and they're pretty sweet. Peacock will offer a free premium at supported streaming video on demand service, with subscription tiers offering more than 600 movies and 400 TV shows. Peacock fans can also access live and on demand news, sports, late night, and reality programming. There is, of course, a premium option, bundled at no additional cost to millions of Comcast and Cox subscribers offering Peacock Originals and Tentpole Series, next day access to current seasons of returning broadcast series, early access to late night talk shows, and additional sports. It's available for $4.99 monthly on connected mobile and web devices for those non-bundled customers. We know a thing or two about tiered pricing, so we're taking this one into the spotlight. For customers, a well-engineered price scale offers flexibility compared with a similar pricing scheme. And for the company, scaled pricing means more revenue. Larger customers that extract more value from your service, whether it be by seats, feature usage or utilization, pay more. And the clear upgrade path means you automatically gain more revenue from customers as they grow. But do price scales work for your company in particular? We have an in-depth blog post on this one that we'll link to in your subscriber newsletter, as well as a piece on SaaS pricing models, strategies, and examples of success. And that's a wrap on your January 21st subscription news. Up next, a segment on pricing for bottom line growth backed by the data from nearly 5,000 companies and more than 1 million transactions. Pricing is one of the most important growth levers in your business. So to answer Gene's questions, we're going to dig into the data from nearly 5,000 different subscription companies and over 1 million different transactions. Pricing is a process of incremental gains. So when we compare companies who regularly update their prices with those who don't, those companies updating their pricing at least once every six months are seeing nearly double the ARPU gain than those who upgrade their pricing only once per year or longer. Your price is the exchange rate on the value that you provide. So as your product and company improves, your price should be tracking alongside that improvement. Similarly, when isolating and normalizing the microeconomic impact of improving your main growth levers, you'll find that monetization has nearly eight times the impact of improving something like your acquisition, and it's only accelerating as time goes on. Here's the rub though. We don't historically care as a community about pricing. The average amount of time a company spends per year on pricing is less than 10 hours in total. There's a lot of reasons for this, including things like pressures to grow at all costs, significant knowledge gaps on how to price, and just a multitude of others. But some easy things you can focus on to ease yourself into high growth price optimization are based on the following data. First, make sure you're using a value metric. A value metric is what you charge for. It could be per seat, per 100 visits, per gigabyte, and the data indicates that those companies utilizing a value metric are growing at nearly double the rate as those who are merely feature differentiated, and the divide is widening over time. Plus, this base expansion revenue right into your revenue model to help with your overall retention as well. Further, another really quick win is to utilize price localization, which means both updating your price cosmetically to use the currency symbol of the buyer, as well as updating the relative price of the product for the market density that you're facing in that region. This is a relatively easy way to quickly gain 25 to 50% higher growth rates, depending on your overall acquisition strategy. And finally, we're bringing you a teaser for Protect the Hustle. From ProfitWell Recur, it's Protect the Hustle, a show about those who are in the trenches actually doing the work. What is hustle? 
The word hustle dates back to the 1680s from the Dutch word huslen, which means to shake or to toss. The very core of the word is around shaking up and pushing forward, which is why plenty of the dictionary definitions have some derivation of movement or energy. As Queen Miriam Webster quips, hustle is to obtain by energetic activity. The core of hustle was around changing your environment and shaking things up to produce large scale action. Sometimes that was very positive, pulling yourself up from your bootstraps or running that extra sprint in practice. But other times it was more negative, pool hall hustling or slinging rock. Hustle was initiative and not accepting your circumstances and doing everything in your power to change. Hip hop embraced this throughout the 90s and the aughts because a lot of circumstances in black communities need to be shaken up to push out of poverty by any means necessary. The negative externality of that though was because of circumstances, a lot of times this meant selling drugs or doing illegal activities because there just wasn't another option. But it's important to remember that hustle wasn't negative. It wasn't bad intent. Hustle was that movement of changing circumstance and environment to get to the point where you could go legit. Even in Jay-Z's 90s classics, Can't Knock the Hustle and Rap Game, Crack Game, hustle was the means of taking on challenges to garner wealth and actually hustle out of the illegal means into the legal ones. Johnny and Jane startups embraced this concept of hustle because it meant shoe leather and elbow grease, getting there before anyone else did and going that extra mile to get the deal done. But then hustle changed. Hustle became more gratuitous. In the late aughts, songs like Rick Ross's Hustlin' started to stop talking about the velocity of hustle and just the movement of cash from one place to another. Now it was money for money's sake, not to move out of circumstance, but for cash and cars and just more cash and more cars. Startups started latching onto this word as the gratuitous image of crushing it and tweeting out unnecessary vocalizations of superficial feelings of accomplishment. Hustle lost its edge. The context changed completely and hustle became negative because we associated it with not great things and not great people. But the thing is though, hustle still means hustle. Hustle is a beacon to changing your own personal circumstances and destroying the demons that haunt you and try to prevent you from doing that one extra call, that one extra rep or whatever it takes. Those who protect the hustle define hustle and that's what we're all about at ProfitWell keeping that velocity to rage against the dying of things that we find important. And to do our part to the greater hustle community, we're bringing you season two of Protect the Hustle. Stories in the trenches from the people doing the actual work and protecting everything that hustle stands for. So sign up at protectthehustle.com and sit back, relax, and take notes. And that's it for this episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow for more.